Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello and welcome back. Are you as excited as I am about spring? I am so thrilled that the temperatures are starting to warm up. My husband was actually saying yesterday that he thinks winter might have actually been worth it just so that we can experience like the joy of spring and everything coming alive and getting warm again. And I like his perspective, but I'm still holding a grudge against winter because this was a particularly long winter. And I just wanted to stay warm indefinitely now. (laughs) I was like in my smart wool socks from I think it was October of last year. And I'm like literally just now this week peeling off all of my wool socks and wearing normal socks. Um, Anyway, winter, spring, all the weather things aside, there is a whole lot of newness I've noticed bubbling to the surface right now for a lot of people that I've been talking to. Everyone seems like really excited and hopeful and new creativity and new growth are coming to life and it's really exciting to watch. Um, I think a lot of people were in like this kind of miry place as of late and I think that some of that fog is lifting a bit and people are finding clarity and it's like we're all just taking this nice big collective sigh of relief. It's really lovely for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, I think the other thing about that is it's like, okay, we weren't crazy. We actually were going through some really intense stuff, and some of that is starting to lift now. So I think it feels good. But with a lot of new things coming to life, there is a weird flip side to the coin. Um, Just as, you know, I see a lot of people who are stepping up and coming through to the surface to step into their fullest potential, there are also a lot of fear and thoughts and obstacles that go along with that that are threatening to hold us back. The stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that say, no, 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 just keep playing small and safe. Like we were so comfortable before. Um, And so today I just really kind of want to talk about some of those things. But I want to start, of course, with a story. So at our house, we have um, a couple of bird feeders and, you know, they attract like chickadees and finches and blue jays and all those lovely birds. Um, They get to have breakfast and dinner on us every day and sometimes snacks too. Oh, P.S. If you haven't seen Movies for Cats on Netflix, you are definitely going to want to go ahead and check that out. It's like a legit movie of birds and squirrels, and I'm pretty sure people just put it on for their cats, and I find it so hilarious what people will come up with as TV shows. There is now TV for your cat. Um, anyway, I totally distracted myself there, so let's get back to the bird feeders at my house. Um, well, in addition to, like, just hungry birds that eat at our house. We also have 
hungry squirrels. And my husband has come up with this genius system to keep the squirrels off of the bird feeders. Squirrels are super greedy and they'll eat all the food and leave none for the little tiny birdies if we let them at it. So this is sort of like hard to describe, but Jason has basically um, jerry-rigged this line that goes across two trees that the bird feeders hang on. And then at the end of each line, closest to the trees, which is how the squirrels, like, usually they'll do a little tightrope walk across the line to get to the bird feeders. But Jason put these really slippery tubes on each side of the line. So, like I said, I'm not going to really do it justice um, to trying to describe it. But basically, imagine, like, a squirrel is trying to get to the bird feeders, but he's actually on an episode of American Ninja Warrior, and he has to go across these, like, spinning tubes to get to them. It doesn't ever work in his favor. And it is pretty much deterred all of the squirrels from even trying because it's like a totally fruitless endeavor. Some of them, I'll say that they've been working out over the winter and some of them actually can make it to the food, but usually it works and the food stays for the birds and not for the squirrels. Um, Clyde also loves to chase the squirrels, so that also helps to keep them off of the bird feeders, but he's not, I mean, he's a good guard dog, but he's not like totally on it all the time. Because he likes to sleep. I mean, what can he say, you know? Um, you know what doesn't give a what when it comes to Jason's well-crafted squirrel obstacle course, though? It's the bears. We have a couple of them in the neighborhood, and they are all waking up right now, and they are hungry, which I totally know how they feel because I'm always hungry when I wake up, and if all I had, like, if all I could find was a bird feeder full of seeds, I would probably be tearing it down for my snack, too. Well, last night... A bear comes strolling through the backyard and he's thirsty and hungry and so he opens up like a bird feeder like it's a beer can and just starts guzzling down the seeds. PSA, tis the season to pay attention to your bird feeders and make sure that you're not feeding the bears. So back in 2014, um, my husband in the same town and I were house sitting for these local yokel focals and we they they were pretty laid back but the only real like hard and fast rule that we just had to be sure to follow was that every night we needed to make sure that we took in the bear, bird feeder because they'd been having a problem with the bears so you know they had this really good sturdy bear-ish proof system but it wasn't a perfect science and a bear with literally like half a brain could just yank it down and get the snacks so that's what we had to do every night we had to make sure that we put in the bird feeder and Jason and I had done all of the evening tasks in this house one night we were finally just sitting down to relax to watch a movie on the couch and we hear like this clatter outside the window I thought maybe Santa Claus was coming to town in August because I'm pretty sure he makes exactly that much noise when he arrives but we pulled back the curtain and it wasn't Santa Claus it was actually a huge black bear um and you know, we had forgotten to take in the bird feeder. So he, he needed a bedtime snack and he just tore that bird feeder right down. He actually like twisted the pole it was attached to and then just dumped all the bird seed on the ground. And there he was sitting in, in a pile of bird seed as giant as a black bear can be. And he looks over at us looking out the window and just kind of like nods at us like, Hey guys, what's up? You know, it was like a teenager that we like walked into his room and caught him smoking weed, and then he just kept right on eating and eating and eating 
also very much like a teenager on weed. Um, anyway, we tried to scare the bear off, but he like wasn't having it. He just stayed there until he ate every last yummy bite. And I cannot even imagine what this bear's bowel movements must have been like the next day. I mean, it was a lot of fiber that he ate. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Not bowel movements and fiber, though that could be fun, um, but maybe we'll talk about that next time. Today, I want to talk about not feeding the bears. So first of all, let me explain how I came up with this concept of what I'm calling the bears. Um, Liz LaJoy of Zen Money, she's been on my podcast before, and she is a, she built this VIP member. She has this concept that she uses in her Zen Money books and on a lot of her blogs and in her podcast. She calls it the bear brain, which she describes as when we are faced with something new or scary, and then we spiral into this place of fear or telling ourselves all of the stories of why it will fail, fail or why it's not good. And then we just sort of spin out from there. Now, I know the bears that I told you about are pretty tame, and it seems like they wouldn't really be that scary. Black bears are admittedly usually more interested in fresh berries and birdseed than they are in you. Um, I've never actually like shaken hands with one, but I feel like they would be friendly and we would be pals. But the bears that we face in our own lives, I think, are a little more intimidating. Think like polar bears, grizzly bears, and Kodiak bears. Um, but today, I want to tell you how I see us feeding these bears in our lives. I, I just finished the book Playing Big by Tara Moore, and if you haven't read it, I really, really recommend it. She talks a lot about how we hold ourselves back by playing small, and many of these things come from this bear-like thinking. So what are some of the things that we tell ourselves that do hold us back and keep us playing small? I asked this question in the She Built This community. I asked what their inner critic sounds like, what their brain, their bare brain tells them just before they're about to put something into motion, whether it be a book, an idea, a course, a website, a business, etc., etc. And here's what they said. So in their words, if you're going to do something, you better do it right. I've had a hard time sharing things because I'm already worried about whether or not I'm going to do it the right way or the perfect way. This is stupid. No one cares. Nobody wants this. Other people are already doing this and they're probably doing it better. You may as well just assume that it won't work and not bother. Everything has to be perfect. You can't afford to fail. What if people don't like you? People won't like you. I'm not an expert. Why would you say something so stupid? Wow, that was a stupid thing to do. Have you ever heard yourself saying any of those? There are so many more, um, so I'm sure your script looks a little bit like that, but it might also look a little bit di different too. Um, but all of these thoughts keep us stopped dead in our tracks and fearful. And then to counteract them, I think a lot of us go on this quest for more knowledge or more courses or more perfection, like more, 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 instead of just setting things into motion. And the truth is that these thoughts a lot of them are not true, and they're also not entirely rational. So we're going to get back to that in just a second. But I wanted to draw a correlation for you with real bears because you're not supposed to feed bears when you're at a campground and in your backyard. And here are the three reasons why. 
Number one, a fed bear is a dangerous bear. It makes bears unpredictable and dangerous around people because they begin to associate people with food, and then they can do things to harm people in order to get the food. They can also damage property, like, you know, on campsites, that's really popular um, and prevalent if you're not careful. And so they really admonish people from feeding the bears. Number two, a fed bear is a dead bear. A lot of bears get really aggressive because people are stupid and feed them, and then they end up needing to be put down unnecessarily when they get riled up. Um, bears can also be more prone to car accidents if, you know, they're like hanging out at your pool party in your neighborhood instead of in the woods. So be bears being around cars, that's not usually a good thing. And so if you care about bears, you will not feed the bears. And number three... Here you go. If you don't care about bears and you also don't care about other people's safety, you can use your pocketbook as motivation. If you feed bears, oftentimes you get a fine, especially in campgrounds or public parks. If you are caught feeding the bears, you can end up with a fine. So th those are the three reasons that you shouldn't feed real bears. Now let's get back to our mental um, proverbial bears. So number one, a fed negative thought is a dangerous negative thought. When we allow ourselves to spiral into these thoughts of fear and self-negativity and scarcity, comparison, perfectionism, fill in the blank for wherever your brain spirals, we are giving these mental bears more and more reason to come back and bug us. Like they are literally pathways in our brain and we are wearing down those pathways, making it easier and easier for the thoughts to go right there. Um, and as we do this, like those thoughts are what we start to see as truth and the perspective through which we see life. And then we, those bears, those thoughts become unpredictable and dangerous to ourselves because they are the stories that we're not telling about life. Reason number two, a fed negative thought is a dead creative idea or a dead course or a dead product or a dead membership or a dead service. It's a dead passion. When you feed the mental bears too often, you might find that your new ideas or your new business or what you want to put out into the world, it just simply doesn't happen because it ends up being way too scary or you've spent way too much time comparing yourself to someone else or you can't get it exactly how you want it. And so you just back out entirely. Look, we've all been there. I've done this to myself. I have told myself this message message after message about why I shouldn't offer what I want to be offering, why I shouldn't even attempt it in the first place, why I shouldn't raise my price because I'm not worth it and no one's going to pay for it, and why I shouldn't do this thing because someone else is already doing it. So maybe you're afraid to fail and that's why you're not even trying, or you're afraid to put the words on the page because what if no one wants to read them? You kill the idea or concept before it's even born because you kept feeding the bear. And number three, lastly, fines. I mean, let's just talk about money because that's why we're in business. Imagine if you kill off and squelch all these ideas that could be catalysts to getting you to the next level in life or in your business by feeding the bears. You are literally costing yourself dollars. You are costing yourself money by not putting it out there. Let me give you a couple examples. When we don't share our products and services due to any number of these thoughts, we don't get the clients we're looking for. Um, if you have a new product that people actually want, but you're worried about it just being perfect before you launch it or someone else has already created it, so you just don't do it, you're not bringing in that revenue. 
And when you are staying in one bubble or staying stuck, when you really could be doing what you want to do and what you love to do, you know, you have this way of sharing your expertise and and making the money that you deserve to be making. But when you stay stuck because you're like, well, if I put it out there that this is the niche I want or this is the activity that I want to be doing for my clients, you're holding yourself back from accessing those people and from making the money that you deserve to be making in doing so. So that's that's literally the fine against yourself when you keep on feeding the bears. And I love Liz's description of this bear brain, this pattern of spiraling and fear and uncertainty. It's it's similar to what Tara describes in her book, Playing Big. She and many others that I've heard say this describe it as our inner critic. And so I'd be you know, remiss not to bring up the inner critic too, in case that analogy helps you as well. But basically what it is, is that it's just these negative thoughts in our brain that keep us stopped in our tracks and feeling fearful, overthinking, um, and not taking the steps forward. So here are just some little simple ways and I'm only going to give you a couple. There are tons, um, but here are just some simple ways that we can stop some of these bare brain thoughts and reframe. Number one, I find this exceptionally helpful. Um, notice when these things are coming up and and label them. Call them out for what they are. You know, like it's not you. This is my bare brain. This is my inner critic. This is my fear, etc., etc. Give it a name because when you do that, I find that even just doing that, labeling it, helps diminish some of the power. Number two, I gave mine a persona. Like, I'm a little crazy. It's true. Um, If you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille, I envision for my inner critic, the food critic on that show. He is the kind of guy that is not pleased with anything that you bring him. And that is what my inner critic is like. It's like, even if a dish was the most mind-blowingly delicious meal ever, he would find something wrong with it. And he's a real jerk. He will stop me in my tracks and say, do not even, what are you thinking? Like, don't even let that dish out of the kitchen. It's going to be disgusting. So I think it's really helped me to give like a character to this guy. And it makes me be able to speak right to it and be like, hey, dude, I get it. But like, you're not going to be happy with anything that I cook up and that's okay. So I'm going to go ahead and serve this and we'll just see how the diners feel. And then we go from there. Capiche? And you can kind of have a little fun with it you know, and start to recognize that those thoughts are not truth. They are just kind of something that's keeping you small and where you're at. Some people have more of like a slave driver as an inner critic. Some are like a bossy older sister. I've heard some be tell me that they're like Ebenezer Scrooge. It's pretty fun when you start to imagine this negative inner voice as like a character and talking right to it is like talking to a cartoon character. It's it kind of makes you laugh. And then you're sort of like laughing at the fact that maybe you're not exactly perceiving the situation for what it is. You know, maybe you're not looking at it through eyes of truth. Maybe you're looking at it through eyes of fear. Um, but this guy, this inner critic, this woman, whatever it is for you, it's not going to, let's not let it deny you of the pleasure of achieving, achieving your dreams. All right, so the third thing is to try to see 
how this inner critic or bare brain is actually there to serve you. And it really is, you know, like we're all human beings and we're wired for survival. We're wired for safety. And that is really what this uh, inner critic, these thoughts, this bare brain, it's there to serve you and try to keep you safe. So, you know, you don't want to get hurt. And that's why your brain is telling you these stories because it wants to keep you in a very, very safe spot so that no one laughs at you so that no one hits you when your dukes aren't up or any other number of terrible things that could happen to you. So what I like to think of is maybe even taking a minute to thank that inner critic for their thoughts, you know, and their thoughtfulness in protecting you and consider the ways in which you are actually safe in this situation, even while you're taking the risk that you want to take, because chances are, while you are taking a risk, you are probably safe in a lot of ways. And then number four, this is fun. Um, You can turn down the dial on these voices. So what if you literally imagine turning down the noise of all that negative mental clutter? Put the bird seed away at night. Stop feeding the bears. They can keep popping around, but you're not going to feed them or give them the airtime that they want. And you know what? They're going to slowly start to come around less and get quieter. All of this to say your thoughts and the words that you choose really matter. And I just want to encourage you that when we feed those negative thoughts, We're not helping anyone, but we are doing a lot to hurt ourselves. And so I think that really focusing on positive thoughts and helping ourselves take steps forward is like the ultimate act of self-care. I also recently shared in the She Built This VIP group about things that we say in our everyday language when interacting with other people that do these things and diminish our worth and value in just our everyday words with others. And, you know, a lot of these inner critic things are going to pop up for you in, in different ways in your conversations and interactions. I'm getting like more aware and sensitive to this as I'm learning all of this, especially I can look at my clients writing now and really help them to steer clear of some of these things. And I'm totally a work in progress in my own and especially in my speech. Um, Next month, I really want to put a lot of focus on the word sorry because I apologize for like taking up air and space and it's not healthy and I know this. So here are just a couple of the other ways besides sorry and apologizing for things that do not need apologies. Here are some of the other ways that we might catch ourselves in our language. Just. Um, I just wanted to take a minute. I just wanted to call and say, I've, I've been really working on just deleting this word because if you look at where you use the word, you almost never need it. If you see it, you can take a look at it and see if it needs to be there. And if it does, keep it. But it, you might be subtly saying I just don't think this is worth your time or I just don't really value this. You might also find yourself doing this when you're trying to assure everyone that you won't be speaking long. Don't worry, I'll be quick here. I just want to take a minute of your time or I'll just be five minutes. And that's pretty damaging. (laughs) Like if you're just going to be a minute, just be a minute. But you don't need to apologize for the length of time that you're going to take to speak. Here's another one. I actually, I actually have a question. I actually have a thought. I actually have an appointment. 
Like, oh, what a surprise. I'm a successful, smart, savvy, and busy woman. Not actually. You are. You do. You have a thought. You have an opinion. You have a conflicting meeting. Fact. Like, it's not a surprise. I know you're... Here's another one. I know you're the expert, but... Um, I do this all the time. We defer to other people. We don't want to come across as arrogant or know-it-all. And there really are people who know more information as us. But you can just say your opinion without trying to always be deferring to them as the expert. Because chances are you probably know your stuff or you wouldn't be at the meeting. Um, Here's my favorite. Saying your thoughts in the form of a question. I do this all the time. Should that be hyphenated? Do you think this should be a different color? That is just like setting myself up like I don't really want to share my actual opinion. So I'm going to ask it in the form of a question. But when we do that, a lot of people don't even listen to those questions. Um, It doesn't come across the same way. And it definitely does not come across as you knowing your stuff. So these are all just subtle little things. We do them for all sorts of reasons. There are tons more. Um, I encourage you to get the book, Playing Big, or check out the article that I'm going to put in the show notes. But all of these things, they all stem from the same naughty little bare brain thought and inner critic saying, who are you to say what you have to say? What, who are you to do this? Why don't you just go back to playing safe and small? So if you know me by now, you know that I believe we need to work together to help turn those voices down and tap into the strong, bold, powerful, impactful person that you want to be. And it's ongoing work. So I say we all work on it together. Um, I, I really want to stop feeding the bears in my life and work on rewiring my brain to be the cheerleading squad that I need. And guess what? There is also a you inside of you that does cheer you on. And if you want to picture her, if you have a hard time with that side of you, sometimes it helps to picture you, picture yourself as future you, the future you that has already kind of like arrived and accomplished all of the things that you want to accomplish. That helps for a lot of people. She can help you get really clear on what that true vision for yourself looks like and not just the voice that wants you to keep playing small and quiet. And of course, if you need some extra cheering and someone to help set you straight when you start to let that bare brain spiral, you just give me an SOS shout out, okay? Because I got you. I have you in two ways. Number one, she built this community. Um, We are totally there for one another and cheering each other on and really helping each other to work through these things. And number two, I can always help you if you need help getting clear on your messaging or you're not quite sure if something's going to work or or how the best way is to get something new into the world and how to say it, I am your girl. So I hope you have a happy Wednesday. And I know that I said Marissa, I'm in, and I were going to be talking this week about cycles and such, but I just really had to share this message with you. And so this week is going to be actually a double header in She Built This po- Podcast Land. So sit tight. Uh, I think her episode is going to come out this Sunday. And I hope that you enjoyed this and have a great rest of your week. If you want to reach out to me for any reason, you can email me emily at emilyaborn.com and I will answer. 
Um, also, if you're loving the podcast, I know there's a lot of newcomers. So if you are liking the podcast, I would like if you would leave me a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, that would super duper help me to reach more people and you will be helping me to build this. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.